action. Welcome to Torn Stubs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk. And Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never, ever heard of. And we're going to the movies. Joshua and I have a big old shared film knowledge, but there are always gaps that need to be filled. So in this episode, I've recommended he watch a movie he's not yet seen. For this episode, I chose Tickled, directed by David Farrier and Dylan Reeve. Tickled is a 2016 documentary about competitive endurance tickling and the videos featuring it and the practices of those producing the videos and the murky world they inhabit it's quite interesting the first five minutes or the first seven minutes of this film is david and dylan the director maybe david actually the the guy who's on screen david farrier one of the film's directors he's playing catch up he's kind of already discovered this story um he came across a video of just i think a couple of guys in like adidas sportswear tickling each other and he became you know kind of intrigued about what this is and he started looking into it and suddenly he starts receiving correspondence from someone telling him to stop looking into this that's when he decides oh i should make a documentary about this so for the first five or seven minutes of the film it's it's kind of told in past tense then from the seven minute point it's we kind of start seeing the story unfolding in so-called real time it's not actual real time but you know we're we're going along the journey Mm. i thought that was quite a seamless flip because he goes i've asked my brainy friend to have a look behind the scenes of the website and then we start that's the point it goes on from yeah it's like this film does not go where you think it's going to go it's like it's kind of like a documentary version of psycho where you think this is going to be like a nice fluffy kind of tongue-in-cheek funny documentary about people being paid to tickle each other for website videos and then it just kind of then it just plows into this this bizarre seedy underbelly um where we have to ask questions about exploitation and uh consent and um you know ownership of your own image you know Mm. people are being put on the internet um and they have no idea what their their videos actually being used for trust is the big thing that I was taken away from this. The the trust that these kids put in the people who were making the videos and also the trust that we as viewers have in the filmmakers. I kind of got really annoyed with David Farrier at one point, David Farrier being the on-screen guy. I couldn't work out, is he making a documentary or is he making an opinion piece? Mm -hmm. Is he trying to present the facts as he finds them in an unbiased way or is he picking up these facts and presenting his personal opinion of them at one point he's he's either he's invited or just by sheer chance some of the people who are involved in these videos and you know the kind of people from behind the scenes have come to new zealand where david is and he's met them at the airport with a camera crew um to kind of spring on them that hey we're making the documentary was he doing that because he genuinely thought oh they'll be perfectly fine with this or and 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 he's a bit naive or is he trying to manipulate them 
into acting in a certain way because he knows it's going to be good for the cameras. Yeah, I know that that scene in particular, I, I was kind of thinking that through as well, because you can understand why these the American guys who turn up are quite annoyed that they yeah. they have a camera shoved in their face. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also understand why, as a documentary filmmaker, it's your duty to capture everything as you go along. Um, and I think the film... I think the film does err on the right side of that question. I think he is he is allowed to film in public spaces. He's, yeah, he's allowed to um, film in public spaces, but it kind of brings into question if you are doing things that alter the course of the action mm. in a certain way, are you then documenting the truth or are you just documenting the reaction to the environment that you've created? Yeah. And I feel that's, that's a real, that's a real thing that goes on in this film. So that part was in New Zealand. They have a, a conversation which is off camera, but they were recording it secretly and it doesn't go well. They have an argument. So David has an argument with one. Yeah. David has an argument with one of the producers of the, of the film. Yeah. The producers, they go back to, america and instead of dropping it david and dylan follow them yeah they then say we have found a shoot that they're doing we're gonna go watch them a how did they find the shoot a lot of the findings a lot of the research isn't revealed in this film and i found it really frustrating because i just i wanted to trust david and dylan i wanted to be on their side because I think sometimes in documentaries, you are asked to pick a side. Mm. You know, Louis Theroux does it very well. Michael Moore does it very well. You're asked to pick a side. If someone came to one of my shoots with a camera crew springing on me, I'd be really furious because I'm trying to work. Of course, that wasn't going to go well. Yeah. So I think we should, is, we should is, probably is... <clears throat> not forget also that he was being quite fiercely antagonized. Like the, the second that David Farrier started investigating... Uh, the competitive tickling uh, scene, um, he started receiving really quite offensive and aggressive emails from which the owner of the company. Which is what Which is why he's like, what the fuck is this? And rightly so, I think, because you, he didn't write an offensive article about mm. this, this sport, supposedly. Um, but but yet he was, he was receiving emails that were saying, we don't want any association with a homosexual journalist, yeah. especially one of your blah, 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 blah. And it, it's like, well, I wouldn't put up with that, actually. And you've pissed me off now. And I feel that you're trying to cover something up. Therefore, I am going to look into this. That's perfectly fine. Mm. But the way that he went about it, I don't. I think does a disservice to the story that he wants to tell or, or the story that I think a documentary should tell. Like I said, is it a documentary, unbiased um, reveal of the facts, or is it an opinion piece? Are we just watching I think it's a little bit opinion? of both. Is that what it should be? Because directly afterwards, directly after when they, they try and spring the the shoot, mm-hmm. he's in he's in the car and he says, um, so after New, New Zealand, he's referring to when he had the argument with them in New Zealand. After New Zealand and that, referring to just bringing them in LA. So after New Zealand and that, it's safe to say we don't have an interview with Kevin and Marco, the two guys that he's pissed off. Then in voiceover, and I had to write this down because I thought this was this was quite a key point and this what got me thinking about trust he said 
And we certainly weren't getting any more of the competitors to talk on camera because they managed to get one mm. already. We certainly weren't getting any more of the competitors to talk on camera. They're all too terrified, hoping if they stayed quiet, the harassment will go away. Who said they're too terrified? Who said these people are not coming out because for that reason? He hasn't presented anything prior to that. He's just suddenly said that the other competitors won't talk. Well, we haven't seen you try and talk to any of the other competitors. You've only shown us one. Mm. Show yeah, us your research. Yeah. Show us your, your research. Show us and we'll trust you. Um, but also, he, he said, you know, the harassment will go away. He is part of the harassment. These people don't want their face to be seen in these videos. They don't want anyone to know they were part of this tickled thing. You know, the person, the people behind the tickle videos have clearly shamed them to the point where it's kind of ruined their life a bit. Part of the harassment now is David Farrier trying to get them involved in a documentary that they haven't consented to. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the um, what the issue was in terms of getting permission to use certain clips in the documentary. I, I assume that they had to get clearance for that. Um, no, you can use, it's called fair use. So if you think it's a service to um the public if you think the public needs to know about this you can use about 30 seconds right but if he's if he's looking to expose a bully and protect these guys who are in the videos surely he wouldn't want to show any of the videos without their consent that's a very good point but isn't there another way to show hey we're trying to contact certain people Mm. they're not they're not talking to us even just you know a minute of them trying to call these people trying to they just hadn't they hadn't shown us that they'd made any effort they hadn't shown because he went from point a which is we need to talk to some of the competitors to point b which is they won't talk to us because they're really scared Mm -hmm. they just went straight to point b we didn't see a there was no build-up it was boom Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that was an editorial decision where they cut out a scene where they were trying to get in contact I think if you just go straight to point B, where's the trust in that? Mm. I think the problem is David Farrier in New Zealand, his his previous work, and they, they show it in the you know the first minute or two of the film, he's like a roving reporter. He's like, for want of a better reference, Keith Chegrin on the on the big breakfast. Right. He goes to do the funny stories, like this koala, he can juggle a shoe. Or this camel or this, you know, there was something to do with animals or some shit, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah. So suddenly now he's, he's, he's and good, good to him because he, he wants to do something that's a bit more hard hitting. I think his inexperience in that, and I hope this doesn't come across as patronizing, but I think his inexperience comes across in the film. You know, Michael Moore, if Michael Moore doorsteps people, you know, taking a camera crew and going, brah, you know, mm-hmm. like, or, or Roger Cook used to do it in, in the 90s. They used to create a circus, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the scene in Bond of a Columbine where Michael Moore goes to the Walmart head office with some kids who had been in Columbine and like, we want to bring the bullets back. They're in the kid's body because that's real shock value. That's a circus. If you just go to a studio with a camera and be like, hi, guys, you know, what what, what do they think is going to happen? You know, and he, he was quite clearly realising, I can't go into the studio. Hmm. So that puts the power in their hands to just lock the door. And they did do, they did do that. Or at the end of the film, you go through this whole narrative and you realise it's a guy called David uh, Dato. 
Tomato. And not tomato. He what's his name? <laughs> no, it's right, but it just sounds like tomato. Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> it's David Tomato. <laughs> so you realise it's this David guy, and he confronts him in the street again, door stopping him. So of course he's going to get this car and drive away. But what he's doing there's, there's is a real. But there's a real difference there between there is but... Louis Theroux style and, and Michael Moore style, and I think yeah. it's because David Farrier, the director, doesn't really have any experience in this, and that that hopefully that style. Or that, that experience will come through, hopefully, in more documentaries. I don't think it's got anything to do with experience. I think what he's doing is he is exerting his own... He's attempting to, con, you know, regain some kind of control over the situation where he's being consistently harassed by lawyers, by uh, offensive emails. And he can't do anything about that. And so all he can do is go up to that person face to face and try to have a discussion with them. And I know it's a very, that in itself is quite antagonistic and, and like it has a shock value to it. Um, but I, I don't see that as any worse than being sent horrific emails by this awful person. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not commenting on, on a moral point of view. I'm just saying as a, as a tactic to make a documentary. Mm. I just don't think it's very thought through. How? What does he think? It's going a very to ragged. It's a ragged approach to to making a documentary, but I kind of think I didn't have a problem with that at all. Actually, I thought he's doing what he what he can. Did you think his harassment was that great? I think it was the the volume of harassment. What do you mean? That that he was receiving or? Yeah, he was just like receiving emails and and being told, you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna sue you. But mm. That stopped at one point, didn't it? It stopped when he'd confronted David Amato. I just didn't get that his harassment was was so great. I didn't feel that it was affecting well, him in any particular way. It wasn't ruining his life in any particular way. He was still making it was the documentary. The, um, he was still working in New Zealand. It was the it was the imbalance of. I'm investigating competitive fucking tickling. You know, I'm investigating that. And yet I'm getting this torrent of really quite personal vitriolic abuse. Mm. And it, it's like the punishment didn't fit the crime. That's a terrible analogy. But that's essentially the, the feeling of it. And, you know, if you, want, if you want someone to stop investigating something, the worst thing you can do is threaten them because you're only going to make them more interested in what they're investigating. Mm. One of the major problems is because he couldn't get the necessary people to talk in the documentary. It was always people mm. on just on the fringes. And great for him to forgetting them, like the casting guy or um, the, the reporter who had sort of discovered some stuff in the past, the guy with all the zip files. Those are really good finds. But because he couldn't get, you know, the, the, he couldn't get the big boss, essentially. Yeah. The film felt almost like it was a... I don't want to say failure, but it was almost like they boxed themselves into a corner going, well, if we can't get the big boss, where can we go from here? And it reminded me of Louis Theroux's Mind Scientology movie hmm. where he couldn't get anyone to talk. So then his movie just suddenly in, in the middle of the film suddenly became something different. It became a, well, let's just recreate what David Miscarriage has done and we'll use the that guy who had left the church. I can't remember his name. It's like, Eddie or Don or something, you know. The, it looks like he looks like John C. Riley, that guy. I haven't seen. You've never seen it. No. Um, so the the film starts like a like I want to investigate Scientology. Then it becomes a case of we can't get anyone. Let's just recreate 
these conversations that we know happened and investigate the treatment but recreate it. It was a really mixed film. I feel this tick I feel tickled kind of has the same problems that when you can't get the people you want where do you go from there because if the whole film is building up and it's a mystery who the fuck is behind these this this, this harassment who the fuck is debbie who the fuck is there was another name jane. wasn't there jane terry who, well. terry who the fuck are these people and you realize it's one person using different pseudonyms to arrange the business and arrange the harassment and if you can't get that person then it kind of it feels flat i know he got his david farrier got the the the, the bad guys stepmom mm. or previous stepmom to talk on the phone but even that feels a bit like oh well okay but i think that actually the facts kind of speak for themselves like what's this guy what's david Demato actually going to say he can't justify anything he can't defend anything he's done like actually by talking to him what are you going to add i don't think you'll add anything i think that the facts just speak for themselves did you feel satisfied at the end uh, i did yeah i did because i was I, I just loved the fact that he basically dug his own grave i mean i'm sorry he is dead now but he did kind yeah, he is, of he? <laughs> yeah he uh he set his own trap because he stupidly had all his files public on the internet and it's just like i didn't understand how that bit happened i've watched that bit twice now well three times in total but twice this week i don't how did his files get out so i'm not entirely sure how the internet works exactly but there's a directory of files and i think that is public information or you can make it private but uh, he had it public and so by going into the directory for the website they discovered this folder that had all this incriminating evidence um you know site contracts and all this kind of stuff um and i just love that he kind of stitched himself up and he thought By he was because he thought he was so clever he's yeah. like using the law he's very entitled this like ridiculously rich guy um and he knew his law inside out and yet he couldn't get the internet to, to work for him to, yeah exactly even though the internet was the thing that he was using to exploit all these people yeah it's almost like a poetic justice that <laughs> he found his own sword right exactly so. I didn't. I, I don't want to. I mean, I sound too negative about this film. I do enjoy it. I think it's. Mm. I think it's such a, like a. It's like a like a nineties, thriller novel. It's it's got all these sort of twists and turns. I just think the documentary doesn't quite get there. Doesn't quite make them weave mm. as well as they should do. There's this really muddied section in the middle. It it kind of sets up. You know, there's this it kind of sets up the the premise and it goes off and we meet another guy who's been doing this for a while and he's a good guy it's obviously to show oh, some yeah. balance i tickled master guy, <clears throat> yeah yeah so you know we've got the good guy showing some balance and and we have that section then there's a section afterwards where we meet the casting agent and we meet two journalists mm-hmm. and that's where it kind of gets a little bit muddled before we go off and we start f- trying to follow um, you know the photo shoot, and then 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 Demato. Um, I just I just I want them. To, I really wanted it to be like this this phenomenal piece of filmmaking, and unfortunately, I don't think it is. I think it sits somewhere between um, funny ha 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 TV news spot and mm-hmm. like some of Michael Moore's early stuff, mm-hmm. a bit unfocused. I, I wish David was 
more of a character on screen in the way that yeah, Louis he, Theroux... Well, because he disappears for quite a bit of the the film. Like, in the yeah. midsection, he's gone, and you he's actually gone. do feel his absence. Because I thought he was really charismatic, and um, he seemed like a nice guy, and I liked I liked going on the journey with him. So when he suddenly disappeared halfway through the film, I found that quite frustrating, and I did lose my concentration a little bit. Yeah, I lost I lost slight bit of interest during that modelled section. I, 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 with David, I wish he, I wish he was more of a character. Mm-hmm. I wish that he was more like a, like a, because Michael, Ma- Michael, Ma- Michael Moore doesn't play. It's not Michael Moore. I mean, he plays a character. He is a version of himself, and so is Louis Theroux. Louis Theroux is not dumb. Mm. You know, he plays the dumb, you know, intelligent, naive guy. Takes someone very smart to play someone so stupid. Exactly. So I wonder. It, it, I hope David Farrier makes more films. I wonder what his on-screen character will develop into. I wonder what his style will become because he's clearly a very intelligent guy and he's 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 quite funny on Instagram. I follow him. Oh, right. He, I'd I genuinely would like to see more. I don't think there was as much of him in this film as 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 he, as there should have been. And maybe he was finding it difficult to transition from being you know, the roving reporter to the hard-hitting journalist that mm-hmm. he, he clearly wants to be in this, this documentary. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes next. Like, what's what's the next story going to be that he focuses on? Because mm. this, this is quite a unique, weird, kind of catfish-esque yeah. story. Um, so is he going to now be the guy who makes documentaries about kind of weird things like injustice and all that? Or is he going to do something completely random like, Sesame Street or something. <laughs> you know. Well, there's a lot to go on in Sesame Street. Well, I know. There's a lot of fucked up stuff that goes on. <laughs> did you know when you when I told you to watch this film, did you know what it was about? Um, all, well, no. All I knew was that it was going to be about tickling in some form. Yeah. And all I, I knew that it was at Sundance last year. And people I, were... Were you not there that year? I was there that year, yeah. You and didn't see um, it? No, I didn't get to see it. But everyone was kind of raving about this, this documentary called Tickle that was yeah. just shocking and... Um, etc so that was kind of one of the the films that um got people's attention but um yeah so i knew it was going to be about tickling and i knew that it was not going to be what i thought it was going to be about so i didn't really know what to expect i only knew the title and i was meant to see something i was i I was going to the cinema with my mate michael and i was meant to see something else and i always pick the film because often when he picks the film it's just well, he made me Disney. see. He made me see Frozen, <laughs> and, and I've never forgiven it. him. <laughs> so I've often like been like, "Do you want to see this film? We're seeing this film." But he said, "Do you mind if we see this other film? It's called Tickled." And I was like, "Okay." I, I had no idea. I didn't even know it was a documentary. I just mm-hmm. didn't know anything about it. And when it was un, unfolding in front of me, I was like, "This is, this is fucking insane mm. that this goes I, on." <laughs> and it's such a modern phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, and it's it's just interesting that, and you know, if if David D'Amato had been making videos of a different nature, he probably would have not been able to get away with it, essentially, for how long, yeah. as long as he did. Um, but because it was tickling, which seems inoffensive and, and naive. And, yeah, um, but there's the homosexual undertone. Oh, it's and I, so and I homoerotic. Use, and I use the word homosexual because homosexual when straight conservatives use the word homosexual, they're never like, oh, I love homosexuals. It's always homosexual. It's mm-hmm. used as a, a derogative term. Mm-hmm. There's the homosexual undertone, which is, you know, the kid gets kicked off his, his football league 
and what's he going to do now? Yeah. He can't follow his dream. It's ridiculous. And it's all because he was in a video being tickled by some guy. Yeah. It's, it's really tragic. We've all been yeah. tickled. I know, for God's sake. But it's not about that. It's, I, I was speaking to my friend about this last night and she was talking about, yes, it's tickling, but it's actually this, this thing that pe- people, certain people can enjoy um, videos like this because it's about a lack of consent. And it, it's kind of like these guys have shot this video thinking it's one thing, but actually it's people will get off watching this. And so they haven't consented. They haven't signed up to be in kind of softcore porn, but yeah. that's essentially what they're, they're in. Yeah. Um, and so there is this, that's this, a very good point. this idea about consent and is that a titillating thing? And really should it be? <laughs> yeah. That's a really good, interesting point. Cause I guess when you, when you make a porn, not you. <laughs> oh yeah. I made them <laughs> when, <all the> time. <laughs> when you make a porn film, people know that, you know, someone's going to have a wank to this mm-hmm. or someone's going to get off on this. Someone's going to enjoy this in the, in the way that is very upfront. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you make, you know, like you said, the tickled thing under the, the premises that, oh, this is a, a it's new a sport. sport mm-hmm. You don't necessarily know that someone's going to be Banging one getting out. off on this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I wonder. And would they do it if they knew that? I'd very much doubt it. Yeah. If these boys were aware that someone was going to be jerking one off while watching them being tickled, I very much doubt they would have consented to doing the video. Well, that's that's the thing. That's what I guess that's why they asked it. You know, do you mind taking this down? It's beginning to affect, yeah, my, you know, my college application or this, that, and the other. Hmm. And I wonder, I wonder, all these kids on Snapchat and, and Instagram, when they put up a photo, maybe innocently of themselves in you know swimwear or something, right? And they're like, oh, look at my body. You know, I'm done so well at the gym. Hmm. They do they realize that you know somewhere halfway around the world someone's finding that quite mm. sexual are they playing up to this or yeah are i they don't being know quite na- naive about this probably is just a bit naive i don't know because there's people online who i'm sure they use it to their like tom daly will yeah post pictures of himself he knows exactly what yeah, he's doing. he knows what he's he knows what he's doing but i wonder how long can that kind of behavior go on for how many brands want to work with him or how many TV shows or this, that, and the other will want to work with him knowing that essentially what he's producing himself is softcore porn. Mm. Just look at anyone, any any soap stars, you know, um, appearance in, you know, in, in, in a magazine or in, uh, you know, their calendar. It's just softcore porn. But the thing is, this, this applies to any kind of performance, you know, like actors who do nude scenes and sex scenes and all of that, like websites go nuts over that and there are gifts made out of it and there are screen grabs and all yeah. this kind of stuff there's there's that website mr skin or something that's all about like naked celebrities like well i wouldn't know about that but you've just, you're just named so it isn't, yeah. <laughs> but so it's yeah the it's the question is well actors do nude scenes and sex scenes and there is kind of like a fallout like a dark side fallout to that which is yeah. you're now on the internet naked and people are kind of probably going to be getting off on this but does that mean that they shouldn't be doing these scenes or are they consenting to doing the movie but not having their image all over the internet like where the line is so muddied now it's incredibly muddied i mean before you all you would need to do is find a vhs tape you know you know back mm. in the day you know like pamela anderson um colin farrell various other people have had their sex tapes yeah. removed from the world. It's, you know, like a, I guess a worldwide injunction. I don't know the legal terms, 
but you know you can't show their sex tapes well because they weren't shot for public consumption no they weren't private they were stolen but it's like having all your photos taken off your phone and published on the internet but now you know you have it on the internet and you know anyone can see it in in instantly Mm. you know like when you know when tom daly had his 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 snapchats put online oh, really? of him like playing with himself or something oh, I didn't and see that. sam callahan had you know a similar really? thing yeah this huh. all happened in, within the last six months or so huh. um you know those are those are private things that they sent to other people that suddenly appeared online yeah and some of them were you know it's really gratu- gratuitous is that how you say the word it's really graphic um <laughs> it's really it's really gratuitous you know sam callahan's like fingering himself I don't know who that is. Um, he was a X Factor contestant, oh, and okay. modelled or some bullshit. Uh-huh. But in, in in the age of the internet, you can't stop the spread of those things. It's mm. how do you how do you govern how do you govern something that is 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 connected to every single device and every single computer? Yeah. In the world. Yeah. It's really tough. What I'd like is a follow up. I'd really like a follow-up because things have happened since yeah. the the documentary. So it'd be really nice if, if some of those people come forward and be like, you know, I was really affected by this. And, you know, now that David D'Amato is dead, I feel that I have the power, I feel empowered to come forward and tell my story. A bit like what's going on in Hollywood at the moment. Mm. You know, the house of cards have fallen mm. and, you know, people are coming forward. That would be a really... That'd be a really cool follow-up, even if it's just like a half an hour short online. Mm. But it'd be nice that for those people to have a chance to tell their side of the story. That'd be really cool. So that was Tickled, directed by David Farrier and Dylan Reeve. We want you to join the conversation. Tweet us your thoughts and reviews to at TornStubsPod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released the podcast. And if you fancy, give us a five-star rating. We love them. We're off to get tickled. Are you ready, Josh? We're going to get tickled. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut. Cut.